It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. It's time for the best Buckeye podcast. By fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO podcast. OH! It's State uh, game against that team up north that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. So, yeah, great great football weekend, even though the Buckeyes weren't playing. Well, you know, I can tell you, I spent mine watching tons of football. You had uh, Ohio, or you had Tennessee, Alabama. You didn't have Ohio State, unfortunately, but we'll talk about that here in a minute. Tennessee, Alabama, great game. You had the state team up north against Penn State. Holy cow, Chris. Um, we'll talk about that in a second as well. But uh yeah, uh Penn State, uh, did they show up? I did think they, they are what we thought they were, Eric. <laughs> Little Denny Green. I they are who we thought they were. Thought we were. Yeah. Oh, don't tell Kevin that. Don't tell Kevin that. He's uh he's he's still he's a little well, he's he, a little not okay right now. <laughs> he knows how I felt, you know, a few weeks ago I already said they were not giants when we were when I can't remember whether it was you or Aaron referred to them as giant killers, uh talking about somebody taking down Penn State. Penn State is just not a giant. They're just not anymore. Well, we're gonna see. We're gonna find out in a couple weeks ourselves uh, if Penn State's for real or not. Uh, um, they are awful young. We do know that. I also uh, spent a little bit of time watching, um, like I said, Alabama, Tennessee. Uh, like you said, is there gonna is anybody gonna play any defense there? Uh, we know Georgia does. We know Georgia does. So we're gonna find out a little bit about Tennessee when they go up against Georgia here very soon. Um, also, Alabama, looking at their schedule, they've got a, quite a tough schedule coming up. Yeah. So. You know, um, you know, it's one of those things where it'll be very, very interesting if Alabama gets that second loss. Does that mean they're automatic out? And, and Chris, already here's my question though, Eric. You, I know happens, where you're going to Tennessee beat Alabama. What happens if Georgia beats Tennessee and then Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC title game? It'll be complete <laughs> chaos. They <laughs> will try will to find a way to put three SEC teams in there. You watch. Oh, man. Hey, already, guys, we've gotten some comments. Ryan Wickerham, stop t- that team up north running game, and they're done. See see them November 26th. The Bucks will stop the run. I like your enthusiasm, Ryan. I, I think you're probably right. We'll, we'll see agree. about that. We'll see about that. Uh, here we go. This is from uh, John. John Lynn. Hey, guys. Good. Good to see you, John. Welcome to the show, man. This is uh, our first run at this, so we're, we're going to see how this goes. This is... 
uh, to let the cat out of the bag, everybody. So um, if you did not listen to Shots from the Shot this past week with Jason Monk and myself, I made the announcement that coming in January here to the OHIO podcast, we are going to be going live on Sunday nights. It is going to be a listener-driven show beginning this offseason in January. You guys are going to drive the ship, man, on Sunday nights. And so we wanted to do a little bit of a trial run. We've been behind the scenes working on some things. Chris and I have had a heck of a time trying to get this all working. We're trying hey, this out going. tonight. It's going, it's going. We're trying to work the kinks out, guys. It's um, it's a little difficult right now, so so bear with us as we, um, as we try to get that going. Okay. Um, oh, there we go. I like this comment already, man. From John Lynn, Jackson Smith, and Harrison will take us to the promised land. <laughs> there we go, man. I agree. Jack, little JSN back in the second half. We might get into that a little bit tonight as well. Uh, anyways, we were going through some of the games we watched. I did watch one more game last night, and it was probably not the one the rest of you were watching in USC and uh, Utah. Chris, I watched Stanford take oh. down Notre Dame. I am here for every bit, every ounce of the Notre Dame faithful just just driving off of a cliff right now, man. You, you I, just want to drink <laughs> the tears of the Notre Dame faithful, don't you? I do. I do. Yeah. I that, love that's... Catholic tears. Oh. <laughs> wow. Is, could you call that holy water? Why not? Why not? Bit, I, I love holy water. A little bit of holy water, you know, Catholic tears. I, I'll hey. tell you that. What the, I am feeling a little sorry for James Laurinaitis over on that sideline right Ooh. now. Hey, defense looks fine. It's the offense oh, it that is just trash, man. Absolute trash. But those were the three games I invested in yesterday. That's how I spent my bye week. Chris, how do you think Ohio State spent their bye week? Getting healthy, man. I think that was the key. I think that we're going out there, uh, you know, we're trying to get healthy during this bye week. Uh, you know, hopefully, as you said, we'll see Jackson Smith and Jigba back. Uh, maybe we get a healthy, healthy Michael Hall who can play more than seven snaps in a game because, my right. God, that man is dominant when he's on the field. Uh, you know, obviously we've had some running back issues where guys have had to rest there with uh, Travion and Mayan. Uh, you know, so maybe we get both of them back healthy. If we have a healthy team going into this second half of the season, I don't know that there's anybody that can even come close to stopping us because it's not just all offense anymore. We have a defense, Eric. We have a top five defense overall. We have a number seventh, I think, in the country in scoring defense. If we are healthy, the only team that can beat us is Ohio State. Hey, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, as you look down over the course of those first six games going into the bye week, and, and if, if someone would have said to you and I, the defense would be this improved, and you would not have had JSN for practically the whole first half of the season outside of what two series against Notre Dame and one yeah. one series another game I don't even remember what game that was and then he was out um you know some of the the guys who we you know uh our uh, our cornerback uh, Denzel Burke would be completely lost at this point of the season and you would say oh by the way you're going to be 6 and 0 have one of the best defenses in college football one of the best offenses in college football and 
uh, all of these things were going to happen and you'd be second in the country, I'd say sign me up. There's no way that's going to happen. But yeah. this is how good the depth of this team has been, Chris. I think they have spent this bye week getting healthy. I don't think that they have pushed these guys as much in the in the bye week. I think they're going to come back with a renewed focus this week in practice. I think Ryan Day and his coaching staff gave them some healing time because they have pushed them through the first half of the season much more than they did last year going uh, for the first six games and, and throughout the course of that season. Um, Ryan Day's talked about that in, in numerous uh, press conferences, how that this team needed to get tougher and they have definitely done that and by doing that though they're also a little bit more banged up i think than uh, we anticipated them at this point in the season chris yeah but i'll tell you what this is a much more physical team this is not let's face it and, and yes there was some question about some illness but this was much better than what we saw against that team up north last year this is a much more physical team on both the lines uh, our linebackers, as as someone just had uh, mentioned, are head and shoulders above what we saw last year. They've matured. They've learned how to play the position. And they've learned how to play the position the way Jim Knowles wants the position played. Uh, you know, we aren't having to have a safety getting 100 tackles this year because they're just not getting the opportunity. Uh, you know, and, and yeah, I do think that they've given them the opportunity to rest. But I also don't think that they're going to have to knock out too much rust. Because let me tell you, the way that this team practices, it is more physical. It is more intense. They show more focus uh, than any team I've seen from Ohio State in the past, Eric, uh, at mm -hmm. least in the last few years. And I believe that this team is ready and primed for a national title run right now. And one of the reasons why, as Ryan Wickerman points out to us, is our linebackers are much improved from last year. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, Ryan. They they the the linebacker play from last year to this year is night and day, and really the whole defense uh, as a whole. I love the scheme this defense has had. Yeah. Uh one more comment here before we move on. This one uh is from uh John. He says Buckeyes spent their bye week watching all those games yesterday together as a team. Coach Day is not just a coach, but a mentor and role model. Can you imagine Henderson and Williams as a one-two punch and then going to going to the playmakers on the sidelines? Uh, yeah, I can. They have not been able to play together. Uh, that being uh, Mayan Williams and Henderson, it seems like, in, in a game together. Um, I can't wait to see what that's like. And I can see this coaching staff, Chris. We've talked about this in years past. What would it look like if they both ended up in the backfield? Yeah. Go to that old pro set split back. And then, that would, and then be, the real, that would be frightening. And then to really throw a wrinkle in there, how about Dewan Jones lining up as a fullback? Huh. I still I still want to see the fridge, you know? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I could see it. And I'll tell you what, can you imagine what's going to happen in the play action game, especially I think for somebody like, uh, you know, maybe Cade uh, Stover, if they get those two guys back there together, they're not going to know what to do with those two guys in the backfield. Stover's going to run around the middle of the field all by himself. Yeah, I mean, well, there's a we're going we're gonna to get into some some uh, surprises from the first half of the season, and Stover's definitely one of those guys. Yeah, I um, posted a story earlier today, Chris. I don't know if you got to see it or not, but uh, uh, his cousin plays for Big Walnut. He's a linebacker at Big Walnut, just down the road from where I live here in Delaware. 
and he is definitely trending Ohio State's way. Every crystal ball is, is, is saying that he's going to become an Ohio State commit. He's a junior this year. I think he's class of 2024, I believe. Four. And uh, he's a heck. He's, an, he's another He's another Stover, man. He really I'll is. I'll take it. Cut from the same cloth. Those boys are tough, okay? Tough boys. All right, moving on. Segment number two here, Chris. Yesterday, we got to watch that team up north absolutely pummel Penn State. My first question, is the team up north that good or is Penn State that bad? Yes. <laughs> Both. Uh, <laughs> Let me tell you, the team up north, let's give them their due. They are the defending Big Ten champions. Uh, they are undefeated right now. And granted, they played uh, you know, a schedule that was designed by Hostess that had so many cupcakes on it at the beginning. But <laughs> as they've gotten into the Big Ten schedule, maybe they aren't dominating the way they were before, but they're still winning games. And they are running the ball very well. They have a very good, very physical run-blocking line that can move people in open holes for a couple of backs who are pretty decent in uh, Edwards and uh, Corm. So we got to give them their due. But as one of the listeners mentioned earlier, Eric, you know, if you stop that run game, they're in trouble. Because I'll tell you, McCarthy is still not ready as far as a passing quarterback. Not down the he field. still make mistakes. This offensive line does not pass block the way they run block. That is why they run the ball 60, was it 61% of the time, I believe it is. They run the ball because they can't throw the ball. And when they do, it's typically short patterns, get it to the playmakers and let them do something with it. Right. Uh, you know, so this is a team that if we can stop the run, I think we're going to have a field day with them. This is not the defensive team they had last year. Now, granted, they do still have a couple of good corners. Uh, their defensive backs are not bad, but they don't have the presence as far as uh, Ajabo and Hutchinson getting that penetration on every single play. So, yes, Michigan, uh, in short, they are a good team. They are not a great team, in my opinion. Uh who they've played, let's face it, they've beat up on the bottom tier of the Big Ten with the exception of the paper champion in Penn State. Penn State, you know, they, they were out to a 5-0 and start, but they did not play anybody. They really didn't. I mean, they had that first game against Purdue, which Purdue handed to them. They had games against Auburn, who is weak. They are quite possibly with the exception of Vanderbilt and Missouri, maybe the worst team in the SEC. So I don't think Penn State, like I said, they are what we thought they were. I don't think they are going to be very good against high-tier competition right now. They're young. They're going to get better. Two years from now, this is going to be a team to contend with. But right now, they're just not there. So, yes, Michigan is good. Penn State is bad. Uh, I don't think either is quite to the level that their fan base would like to think. So <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about the team up north offense. J.J. McCarthy does not throw the football beyond 10, 15 yards. No. I don't know that he can. No. That's, that is a weakness. He can so, run the ball. 
<laughs> he can definitely run the ball. Seven carries, 57 yards. You had Donovan Edwards yesterday, 16 carries, 173 yards, and two scores. And Blake Corum, 28 carries, 166 yards, and also two scores. This is definitely a run-first offense. So when Ryan said you stop their running game, you stop Michigan, he's right. Yeah. You're going to have to force J.J. McCarthy to be uncomfortable because they can't run the football, and he's going to have to beat you with his arm. Now, I would say given our struggles at the cornerback position, um, not necessarily what I want to put the game on, but probably what we're going to have to do. And force J.J. McCarthy to throw the football downfield. Yeah. Will he maybe will he maybe get a couple? Sure. I mean, we've seen that we've seen that all season long. We've given up a, a, a pass or two here or there. But a pass or two here or there is not going to beat us. No. It's and and he's probably going to throw at least one or two to guys wearing red jerseys. Now, let's flip it to the other side of the ball. That defense that the Loserines have. They made Penn State look silly. Uh Nick Singleton, the the big freshman running back there, six carries, 19 yards. Yeah. Uh, Catron Allen, six carries, 16 yards, one score. Uh, they were led by Sean Clifford, who had six carries for 74 yards. So you want to talk about a team that became one-dimensional. It was that team. And Penn State was not ready to be able to compete throwing the football without their yeah. running attack. You know, and you're right. Their better their, their their better days are definitely ahead ahead for them. But that being said, I do believe that the team up north is better than I thought they were. I do. I also think yeah. Penn State is exactly who we thought they were at the beginning of the season. They got off to a very good start. Uh, they they won some pretty big games there. The the, the trip down to Auburn. I, was, I I know you said that it's not it's not a very good. Auburn football team. They're going to have right. a new head coach again, but that's still a trip into the SEC that you won and you looked impressive. So you, you can't take that away from them. We thought that they were going to struggle. I, I predicted six and six for them. That's, that's not going to happen. Well. It's not going to happen. I think they'd probably beat Minnesota this week. Minnesota is, is a, is a uh, beat up football team. That's not going to win the West. Now I still think they probably lose to Maryland and they lose to Ohio state. So you're looking at at a nine and three, which is exactly what Kevin said they would be, is nine and three. So the the Penn State fan who comes on the podcast said we're probably a nine and three football team. Guess what? He's probably going to be exactly right. That's who they are. So you know, I, I think I think Penn State's probably going to give us a little better game in their house than what they gave the team up north. They're at home. We're considered their big rival. I'm not expecting us to go in there and do exactly what the team up north did. I do think we win comfortably, but you and I both know Penn State always gives us a little bit better game than what we're expecting. Yeah, but you know what? I also could see it could go that way. I could also see Ohio State going in there dropping 60 on them. I really I'll take should. it. I'd take it, obviously. Just because – this team is that Penn State team is just not ready to compete at this level. They're just not. Like you said, two years from now, I think they're definitely a very good team. Probably one of the top three tens of the Big Ten again. But 
until then, I think they're going to struggle. Yeah, especially against high tier competition. I think I think you're right. You know, I I want to I want to say you're right. So, um, one thing I didn't do, Chris, is I didn't get our sponsor a commercial ready for this live show. So let me just take this time to thank Mastermind LLC for sponsoring the OHIO podcast. They have been a sponsor for several years, and we appreciate their sponsorship and helping us to do what we do. And as we grow, uh, they know that we're getting ready to do video. Um, live shows on Sunday evenings starting in January. They're super excited about that for us and will be a part of sponsoring the OHIO podcast well into the future in 2023. So we appreciate that and we thank Mastermind for the, for their sponsorship. All right, let's go on and let's do what this the show was titled. We are going to hand out some mid-season awards, Chris, and Let's go ahead and start with our biggest surprise on the offensive side of the football so far. Wow. You know, I've got three that I can really throw out there that I think are just huge. One being how well that offensive line gelled. uh, How quickly they gelled. They've gelled so quickly. They have become so physical, just so dominating. They are doing an amazing job. Definitely give it up to the new offensive line coach because he has got these guys playing at a level. Let me tell you. Uh, Brian Williams, let's talk about – he's no longer the meatball, guys. He is now the wrecking ball. He's (laughs) going out there, you know, he's averaging, what, uh, about seven – he's the top yards per carry guy in the country right now at, what, 7.72, I think, something in that area, Uh, you know. And he's had a great season. I, I did not think at this point he would be leading the team in, in rushing yards or rushing touchdowns. But he is having a tremendous season. And then, for me, though, I think it's a Emeka Buka. And this is why. This is a guy, we didn't know if he was going to be third or fourth on that depth chart. We kind of thought maybe Fleming would slide in there behind Jackson Smith and Jigba and Marvin Harrison Jr., we do what we had in those two guys. We do those two guys with the starters. We weren't quite sure where Buka was going to slide in, but let me tell you, all he is doing is leading the team in receptions, receiving yards. He's second on the team in receiving touchdowns, first on the team in yards per reception. And right now, it was announced earlier this week, he's a, he's a Blitnikoff Award candidate at this point. So I think those three guys, def, or those three things are definitely the biggest surprises for me but I've got to give it to Egbuka as the biggest. Okay. Um, so let me go back and a- answer John Lynn's question. Yes, we're going to be on YouTube. So we will also be on YouTube come January as well. So uh, there's that one. Uh, biggest surprise, Ryan said he his was Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, the Rose Bowl kind of tampered those a little bit, didn't they? Yeah. You know, the Rose Bowl set him up so high. But then again, I mean, those standards were so high after the Rose Bowl, Chris. It is kind of a surprise that he's been able to match that week in and week out with multiple three-game touchdowns. The first player ever in Ohio State history to have three three touchdown games or more. Uh, That's incredible. My offensive surprise of the season. I think I'm going to have to go. 
and and really talk. You talk about the offensive line. Let's talk a little bit about the tight end position. Yeah, shall we? Stover's been a beast. Yeah. So there's been a. I just I thought it was going to be the weakness on this football team, but Cade Stover is just a stud. He okay. Yeah. I thought I thought Jeremy uh, Ruckert was probably the most athletic tight end we did have seen since Ricky Dudley, you know, and was, yeah. was going to have a, a great NFL career. And I'm not putting Kate Stover catching the football on that same level, but his ability to catch the football has been tremendous. And I would say he's probably a slightly better blocker than what Jeremy Ruckert was, which isn't a, sp- a surprise. The kid I don't was think a it's right, Eric. I think he's definitely a better blocker than Ruckert was. 16 catches. 206 yards and two touchdowns for Cade Stover in the first six games. He finishes the career or finishes the season with over 400 yards and four scores. No one saw that coming. Nobody yeah. did. So that to me was the is the biggest offensive surprise of the season um, as well. I, I, I thought that was was a good one. Paris Johnson Jr. Again, he moved over from guard to tackle Ryan. Uh, Ryan Wickerham says uh, Paris Johnson Jr. I don't know if I'm surprised by this, but he's going to probably be the first offensive tackle off the board in the 2023 NFL draft, Chris. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He's been a what, – what is it now? He's got to be up around 700 snaps without a sack. It's – yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. That's just um, impressive, especially given – and yeah, you know, we've we've dogged the Big Ten a little bit, but especially given the competition that these guys are playing at the level these guys are playing, as often as they're on the field, uh, you know, it, it's hard to believe that. Right. Right. So yeah, I, I agree. I think he'll be the top tackle off the board. Yeah, I, I think I think so. I do. I, I think that's a that's a given. All right, the biggest surprise on defense. Through the oh. first half of the game, first half of the season, Chris. Uh, well, I'll tell you, I, I think it might just be the defense as a whole. I mean, come on, this is a defense that's number five in the country. Like I said, this is a defense that's seventh against the scoring. I mean, we are first in categories like uh, stopping on the opponent on first fourth down. We have the lowest yards per uh, play and points per play in the country. Uh, we are second overall in red zone defense. Or not? Yes, I'm sorry. No, third down defense. So this is a team that's getting off the field. Uh, I don't think you could ask a whole lot more. Uh, the linebacker play, I would have to say that's probably, if you're talking about an individual group, uh, I would have to say that's probably the most surprising given what we saw last year to this year. Uh, I think without a doubt, it's the most improved. Uh, I mean, if you want to look at it as, as the the biggest surprise as far as the regression goes, probably Denzel Burke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. If you're looking for the positives, and I think we like to do that on this show, I would have to say, you know, that linebacker core. Tommy Eichenberg, what, 50 tackles, uh, two and a half sacks. I mean, he, he's played a great, great season. Uh, Steel Chambers is around 30 two tackles, I believe. Uh, he's got a sack and an interception. So, yeah, these linebackers are doing tremendous. 
For me, it's got to be Tommy Eichenberg. Yeah. I mean, we saw a little bit of a spark in the second half of the Rose Bowl game from him. But the dude literally from game one through game six has been a game changer at linebacker. Um, I forget who it was. It might have been Anthony Schlegel compared him to a little Bobby Carpenter. (laughs) I see it. There's definitely some Bobby. Little, he would be a little Bobby Carpenter because next to Bobby, <laughs> just about anybody's little, I think. But I don't know without the without the long long flowing blonde you know locks. I don't know that that's a good comparison. But uh, um, no, I I think Tommy Eichenberg has probably been one of the better um, surprises for me, and he's he's been the most solid, I think, and consistent guy on this defense this season. I really do. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how this is going to go in the second half of the season with him and Steel Chambers kind of battling each other for the lead in tackles. Yeah. Uh, but I definitely definitely think that you know for me it, it's been it's been Tommy Eichenberg. Yeah, I can't. I I, he's, he's I also think when we get to that game at the end of the year in November, that that team up north is going to see a definite difference in the physicality of this defense, and it's going to start with him. Yeah, in that defensive line, there's there's going to be some popping of the pads, some hitting going on that they obviously did not experience yesterday. That's for sure. And if they had trouble with Maryland's defense, what are you going to do with Buckeye defense? That yeah, because Maryland's defense vastly is not improved. Good. Yeah, yeah. So, anywho, that that's kind of where what I'm looking at right there as, as the as my most def- biggest defensive surprise. I'm with you, kind of uh, on the on the flip side of things, kind of a, a surprise, but in a bad way has been Denzel Burke's play. But we've we have covered that last several weeks. In nauseum, yeah. is it injury? Is it confidence? What's going on there? Why is he being that way? You know, why is he seem to not have the same level of play that he had in 2022. So we're not going to dive into all that, but I, I'll agree with you. That's kind of been a surprise on, on the opposite side. How about Tanner McAllister, his transition to Ohio state and how smooth that's been for him? Well, I think that, that's been, yeah, like you said, it has been smooth. And I think that's because he knows the, obviously he has a relationship with Jim Knowles. He, he knows the defense. Uh, I think he has been great out there kind of, I look at this, and I think he's the more vocal of the field generals that's out there on defense. Uh, I think Eichenberg, in, in his own right, is a field general as well. Uh, I think this is honestly Eichenberg's defense at this point. But if, if he's got a lieutenant right there beside him, I think it's Tanner McAllister. Uh, yeah. I, I've been really, really pleased with what I've seen uh, as far as his not only his play, but the way he's helped to bring these defensive backs along. If we're going to talk about the, if we're going to talk about the defensive backfield, for me, it's got to be biggest surprise has been Lathan Ransom. Oh, he looks awesome out there. He looks smooth, dude. Yeah, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Chris Olave on the defensive side. Man, he is smooth <laughs> out there. Um, yeah. I got, I got to find another sixth grade dance dress shirt, man. Dan, uh, dress shirt for my dance, you know. So. It might be Lathan Ransom that picks up the 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 smooth, silky purple dress shirt, man. It's gotta gotta be somebody. 
Yeah, I'll tell you, he, he does. He looks smooth out there. He, he's great at defending the, the passing routes, but he will just take your head off too. <laughs> he, he's, he's out there. He is doing such a great job. Uh, you know, he's also made it to the point where we aren't talking about Josh Proctor right now very much. We aren't talking we're, about. We're not. I mean, he has forced them to put him on the field and keep him there. So, um, yeah, yeah. I'm happy I mean, he's, he's doing a great job. He's right up there with Ronnie Hickman, and you know, yeah. There's been like, there's been like this. Where's Ronnie Hickman at? Well, Ronnie Hickman's been right, right there to make the tackle, but unfortunately, Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers won't let him. Yeah. They're getting the they're getting the job done. So Ronnie Hickman's uh, tackles of numbers have gone down, but Lathan Ransom is around the ball and he's reading and reacting very well. Um, so yeah, he's been a good surprise. Uh, Jason Muck has joined the chat and he says, "Hey, look at the legends live and in person. <laughs> Here we are, Jason. This is it. This is us. We're just missing the the third of our trio and Aaron. Aaron had to be in the field tonight uh, for work." So he was unable to join us, which is one of the reasons why Chris and I decided to go ahead and do this tonight. Uh, we had some free time being in a bye week to practice and get this down. So if you happen to have been one of the unfortunate people that saw that trial run yesterday on Facebook, we are We're sorry. really sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and again, to answer everybody's questions, yes, we're just on Facebook tonight, but... We will be on YouTube as well when we go live in January uh, when the offseason starts. All right. Your offensive MVP for the first half of the season, Chris, is? I I got to go C.J. Stroud. I have to. I mean, the guy's 70% passing, a little over 70%, 70.6, 1,737 yards. You know, 24 touchdowns against three interceptions. And something he's doing really well this year, Eric, is he is getting rid of the ball and moving the pocket around, something we didn't see as much last year. If you look, he's taken four sacks this year, is all he's taken for a total of 12-yard loss. He's only averaging a three-yard loss on a sack. That's great. I mean, if you've got to be sacked, you want to be sacked close to the line of scrimmage, right? Yeah, he's stepping so, up in the pocket. Yeah, he's, he's moving stepping up in the, the pocket. pocket. He's moving around. He's moving the pocket. Even though his numbers aren't going to be as gaudy this year, I think C.J. Stroud is having a better year this year than he did last year. Oh, absolutely, which is why he's in the lead for the Heisman Trophy voting. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I saw a lot of people talking about Hooker, the, t- the, the, the quarterback for Tennessee, uh, being now in that conversation uh, up there with CJ. And after the game he had yesterday, I would agree with that. He definitely needs to be in the conversation. Well, Bryce Young should be too. I mean, let's face it. They, they lost, but Bryce Young had a hell of a game. Well, if, if Bryce Young doesn't play the way he does, Alabama loses that game by what, three scores or more? Oh, at least. I mean, and he they would have lost to Texas. He, he had, this is true. He literally, though they should have lost to Texas. Let's be honest. They should have. He, he literally drugged them in to the point where they, they honestly should have won that game with a field goal. Yes, they should have. So, you know, it's one of those things. And with all the, and with all the Alabama fans who are saying are blaming the refs, really guys go back and watch that Texas game. You have no, right. No room to blame refs for that. My offensive MVP is CJ Stroud. 
the numbers are just incredible. He's going to finish somewhere around 33 to 3,500 passing yards. Um, I think he's going to finish somewhere around 40 to 45 touchdowns, maybe more. And not getting near um, the opportunities he got last year because right. of the, the improved running game. Right. So, you know, I think, I think that uh, for him, he keeps doing what he's doing. He has some big games on national television. He goes into that last game of the year at home against the team up north and throws five, six touchdowns and leads leads us to a three or four score victory. It's solidified. It's absolutely solidified. Yeah, I agree. So, all right, Chris. Uh, and by the way, folks, uh, put your defense or excuse me, your offensive MVPs down in the chat for us real fast. Who do you think is the offensive MVP for the season? I I think it's C.J. Stroud. Chris thinks it's C.J. Stroud. More than likely, uh, you all are, are going to be like uh, agreeing with us as well. I agree with Chris. <laughs> is what and Jason well you Hunt should. Does. Oh, listen to you. Get out of here with that stuff, man. Yeah. Well, Chris, you are Facebook famous, as we've learned. Right. You are Facebook famous there. So, uh, Ryan Wickerman says. Uh, Paris Johnson Jr. for his offensive MVP. I can't be mad about it. I got to love a guy who loves big guys, man. I got to love a guy who loves big guys, you know. Look at this. We've got uh, Jason uh, Monk saying he's going with Stroud, uh, Harrison, and Chop. Uh, Pick somebody. Stop being Aaron Brown, Jason. (laughs) I'll tell you what. You could make a strong argument for Harrison right now. Yeah, yeah, you could. Some of those catches he made is ridiculous. John Lynn says Harrison Jr. a, uh, a close second. I I, I don't him or Emeka Buka. You know, I I yeah, might go with uh, Paris Johnson Jr. too as well. Uh, you know, Leia Bowman. Leia Bowman says another vote for C.J. Stroud. I so thank you, Leia, for that. Um, let's see here. Uh, Ryan says he's actually really great friends with his family. That's cool. We appreciate that. Um, that's cool, man. I think. Do you think he's talking about Johnson J- Johnson's family? I think he's talking about Johnson's family. So probably. Yeah. Uh, Jason Monk says I've got a lot of I I got to represent for Aaron. <laughs> uh, uh, somebody, somebody does, has man. To. Somebody's got to represent for you. Knock my headphones off, Jason. My gosh. That was that was the spirit of Aaron Brown doing a, a slap in the back of my head there. You just got gib slapped. <laughs> I got gib slapped by the the spirit of Aaron Brown. Oh gosh, he says they come to his tailgate. Cool, you're gonna have to have us come to your tailgate, Ryan. We can do it. How about we do a live show from your tailgate sometime? Hey, I love it. We've done that. We've, We've done, done our that. own we tailgate show. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be a lot of fun, man. All right. Um, let's do this. Um, John, John Lynn. Okay. He says, can we talk about Ryan day and the Rutgers coach? That was fun. You know what? Let's do that for five minutes. And then we got to move on to our defensive MVPs. Um, yeah, let's do that real fast. Obviously you didn't hear our podcast from the Rutgers post game review. When we did that, here's the deal. I think Ryan day and Greg Schiano are huge competitive guys. And in that moment, their competitive nature boiled to the surface. Um, 
I don't think there was much beyond that. It was a little bit of you did this, you did that in the game type of thing. And that's what competitive people do. Chris, anything beyond that you want to add? Well, this is the thing, Aaron, or Eric. I really feel like Shiano overstepped his boundaries. There was no reason for him to leave that side of the field. There was no reason for him to come over there. Yeah, he didn't like the fact that we ran a fake punt. So what? The punter is trained. If you have open field, run. Was it a lapse in judgment on his given the, the, the difference in the score? Maybe. But he's just doing what he's taught to do. Shiano teaches his punters to do the same thing. So for him to throw a fit the way he did was ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. I think it was just a couple of very competitive guys. Uh, you know, the, the the machismo got overflowing a little bit. And, uh, you know, I neither one of these guys, I don't think, wanted to uh, throw down with the other. But I don't think that either one was afraid to do it either. Uh, you know, um, for me, I, I, I look at it as, like I said, Shiano was out of line. Ryan Day, I loved it. I loved seeing the fire come out in Day. That was the most passionate I think I've seen him ever. And I loved it. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's a little bit of that Jim Knowles rubbing off on him. I don't know. <laughs> well, Jim Knowles is just the cerebral kind of an assassin, I think. I think he's kind of, they call him the mad professor, you know. So I don't know if he'd been doing too much of that on the field, but he definitely gets a, he's a fiery guy. There's no doubt. All right. Get your defensive MVPs for the first half of the season. Ready guys, Chris, who's your defensive MVP? Well, let me give you my number two first. I'm not going to go here. I'm not going to give it to two. (laughs) I'm going to give it to one. Number two for me right now, just strictly on the fact that he hasn't seen enough snaps as Michael Hall Jr. Michael Hall Jr. Has gone out. 13 tackles, four and a half sacks, which leads the team, eight tackles for loss, which leads the team, and the guy's doing it in limited time on the field. If this guy was on the field two, three plays out of each each four-down series, I can't even imagine what his numbers would be. But I got to go with Tommy Eichenberg. 50 tackles, two and a half sacks. Like I said, he is the leader of that team right now on defense. So I've got to give it to Eichenberg. Jason Monk says he's going to go with Hall, and he yelled at us, Hall! That's who he's going with. Ryan, he says, I agree with Chris. Uh, Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Tommy Eichenberg, too. I just sang his praises as being one of the guys who has surprised me the most uh, this year on defense. Um, He's just had a great season so far. Did you see the press conference, Chris, where Jim Knowles was talking about him and his relationship with uh, Tommy Eichenberg. And in practice, Tommy just kind of grunts at him when he talks. Yes. Yeah, they, they don't talk or communicate through speech. They communicate through grunt. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, I love it. it. That cracked me up. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with Eichenberg. But I'll tell you what, there's a very good chance that Michael Hall Jr. could just wreck, wreck some teams in the second half of the season, man. I believe with his tell. His health. And then here's the other thing that I'm looking forward to. I'm looking to see if they continue this transition um, of Zach Harrison to tackle. I like um, it, Eric. And then move, move. Of course, you have JTT on one side at defensive end. And then Jack Sawyer, who was in the Jack position in the stand up defensive end hybrid position, 
kind of solidify himself more in that as the starting D end on the other side. He's been so close to getting home. And Javante Jean Baptiste has played very, very well the last couple yes. games before going into um before going into uh, that last or the bye week, he he started to really start to turn it on. Maybe, um, maybe we can see that. Um, yeah, Jason Monk says that uh, he likes that look uh, as well. And then, oh, guess what? This is pretty cool, guys. Um, we just got a message all the way from Australia. That is oh, our buddy Matt Booker. Yeah. Hey, mate. <laughs> he says, hey, fellas, dude, you want to talk about so far this season. We've had some pretty good highlights. You and I have, Chris. Oh, this yeah. Season of the podcast. I loved Marietta's show. That was a blast. Pittsburgh was just a ball. I mean, the greatest, oh, the best people I've had. That was I great. Mean, that was great. But getting those two guys from Australia to see bus and getting to show them around and getting to them experience Friday night lights at a high school game, Westerville North versus Delaware going to the shoe the next day, Matt butcher. This was, that was a lot of fun, man. That was great. Um, you know, seeing some, see of those, uh, seeing some of those, uh, Midwestern beauties down there. I was a little surprised. Matt got Grant back on the plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He, I agree. <laughs> he he definitely enjoyed, I think, the tour of Buckeye Grove right there next to the tennis courts, you know? Yeah. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, John Lynn says, Eichenberg reminds me, uh, reminds him of uh, Laurenitis. That's a pretty good comparison, too. I'll take it. Um, yeah, that, absolutely. Uh, here's a message from someone you know very, very well. Uh, this one comes from Bobby. She says that game was amazing. You know a little something about that, Chris? I'm always amazing. What can I say? <laughs> Bobby's gonna walk in that room and slap you. She's gonna she's gonna Aaron slap you. <laughs> um, Matt Matt Butcher. Here we go. Oh, these are coming in fast and furious. Uh, he says this is what Matt says. Grant loves his tennis. <laughs> I, bet he well, does. I get the feeling it had nothing to do with fuzzy green balls. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, whoa. Matt says his favorite part of the trip. Columbus was amazing. Amazing. We had best hosts. Thank you, buddy. Brother, we appreciate that, man. Anytime uh, they want to come back, Eric, I'd love to have them. Yeah, Jason Monk. Uh, Vigimite power for the Aussie. <laughs> Those of you who are from the 80s will understand that. Uh, that's saying there, man. All right, guys, let, let's. Uh, I don't think did I get yeah, my defensive MVP was uh, yes. Eichenberg. All right, all right, dude, we got about 12 minutes left, Chris. Let's go ahead and move on to the most depressing part of the show every week. <sighs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> the trip around the Big Ten. Uh, we already talked about the team up north taking down uh, the Nittany Kittens, 41-17. to Blake Corum, 166 rushing yards, two touchdowns. Donovan Edwards, 173 on the ground, two touchdowns as well. Uh, leading the West now in the driver's seat, that would be your fighting Illini. Illinois tops Minnesota, 26-14. to Chase Brown, 180 yards rushing to add to his college football lead already and a pair of touchdowns 
as well. Um, Tommy DeVito, do you think he's related to Danny? I, I don't know, Eric, but I'll tell you, he looked pretty good the other night. He did look he, good. Uh, he he's got a little. He's a little bit taller than Danny. I'm pretty sure. Where was he? About 25 or 32, I think, for 252 and a couple of touchdowns. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's solid. Yeah, 25 of 32, 252, and a touchdown. Yeah, Tanner Morgan left the game with an injury. This, yeah. if this is serious, if this is bad, that is um, Minnesota. Yeah, they're done. They, yeah. They'll they'll be done. They'll be they'll be absolutely done. Uh, let's see here. Also, uh, in a surprising game a little bit, Sparty finally gets in the win column after being on, what, a three- or four-game losing streak? And yeah. uh, they went in overtime over Wisconsin, 34-28, to in a, in a game against two teams who not, aren't nearly as good as we thought they were. Go, but coming hey, Dornak had a pretty decent game that one, though. 21 of 29 for 265 yards and two scores for Peyton Thorne. That was his best performance of the season, hands down. Yeah. Hands down. Uh, the team that scares me the most outside of the team up north, to be honest with all of you, Maryland, 38-33 to 33 against Indiana. That's an ugly win. Indiana's not nearly that good. But Maryland's defense isn't great either, guys. And so uh, Talia Tagovailoa leads the way with 25 uh, of 39 passing, 270 yards, two touchdowns. Roman Hemby, 107 yards on the ground and a score for the Turtles. And Purdue keeps pace with Illinois in the West, somehow sur- surpassing Nebraska in what was a Big 12 game, 43-37. to 37. Aiden O'Connell, dude. He's really for real. 35 of 54. They threw the football 54 times, 391 yards, four touchdowns. Charlie Jones adds 12 carries for 132 yards and two scores. Those running lanes are definitely going to be available when you're throwing the football 54 times yeah so that's our trip around the big 10 it is ugly yes it is every single week but i gotta ask you chris i know there's six games left before the big 10 championship game purdue or illinois if you had to pick one today who's going to represent the west in indianapolis Honestly, Eric, I, you know, I think I'm going to go with Illinois, and this is why. I think that Bielema has coached them up very well. I think they're probably the most consistent. Purdue looks either really, really good or really, really bad. Uh, Illinois has a tremendous run game, and that is what they have to do. What you have to do if you're going to compete against an Ohio State is you have to be able to slow the game down and take the ball away from that offense. I think Illinois is the better choice to do that. I think Purdue definitely has the second-best quarterback in the Big Ten. But you're not going to win a lot of games throwing the ball 54 times. You're just not. Unless you've got C.J. Stroud at quarterback. And then you got to be asking yourself why you're throwing the ball 54 times. Because you have put yourself in a bad way yeah, the running game was there a little bit against Nebraska, but you know it. 
it's not a good situation for Purdue. I don't think, I think Illinois is the more reliable choice. Ryan says, be pretty cool. If you guys could do a live podcast at my tailgate, there is always plenty of food and beverages. Hey man, I'm going to get in touch with you. It might be a day or two before I can get in touch with you, Ryan, but I will. Um, we're gonna we're gonna make this happen, man. We've got some equipment. We got some equipment. It would be a lot of fun. I think it would be pretty cool, dude. So we'll be in touch. Uh, all right, Chris. Here's one for your ego. De- <laughs> Deb Sellers. Wow, you're so right, Christopher Wilds. Hey, that doesn't count. It's my mother-in-law, Eric. <laughs> Hey man, no one had to know that your mo- your mother in law is watching. Well, you know, I, I I appreciate the vote of confidence. I really do. Would you rather your mother in law agree with you or disagree with you? I, you you know, better say agree, buddy. Agree. I think everybody should agree with me, just because you know, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, I am right. <laughs> I know this much. I want my mother-in-law to approve of my my takes. Yes. Yeah. I, I can grow with that. <laughs> uh, and and to, to her credit, she is a big Ohio State fan, and she does know a little bit about football. So, uh, you know, so when she agrees with me, it's not just like my mother-in-law is agreeing with me because she's my mother-in-law. She knows a little bit about that football, so. And guess who this one's from? That's got to be my wife again. No, that's mine. (laughs) That's my wife with the laughing, crying face. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, my goodness. Uh, this, this, This one's your wife. What the hell does that even mean, Eric? I think crap, maybe. No, no, it's cap. It's something the kids say, but I have no idea oh, what it means. I thought she was saying when you were talking about you're always right. She's like, wow, that's crap. <laughs> it may be the same thing. I don't know. <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah, John Lynn says that was the ultimate question. <laughs> oh, no. What is this? Jason Monk? Oh no! <laughs> you guys need no, to get I, I, I don't know if that's a good idea, Eric. <laughs> oh my gosh! Let them get their be... own podcast. <laughs> the uh, the housewives of the OHIO podcast, <laughs> right? Oh, hey, you know oh. maybe we can sell it to E. E will take anything. So, cap means you're lying. Oh, about what? Oh, about your comment about your mother-in-law, son. Hey, no. I have an extra. I have an extra room, buddy. <laughs> who, who, who said that? Was that my wife or my mother-in-law? What? This is cat means you're lying. Yeah, that would be one Sarah Boggs that said that. Of she course, would know she your would... wife knows what it means. Yeah. There's evil cackling coming out of the other room, Eric. I'm not sure what she's up to, but you're probably going to get a message. Oh, here we go. This one's from Bobby. You're not always right. 
I'm having too much fun just relaying the conversation that's happening in your house from one room to the next via Facebook. <laughs> this oh, is what God. happens when we don't have enough content to fill the last three minutes right here. <laughs> oh, this is this is why the Big Ten's terrible. It ended up turning to a, a Chris and Bobby conversation because the Big Although Ten. Although it's more entertaining to watch some of the Big Ten games right now. Oh my gosh, ain't that the truth, man? Oh man. So hey, uh let's let's end the show like this, guys. There are nine undefeated teams left in college football. Ohio State, Georgia, the team up north, Tennessee, Clemson, TCU, UCLA, Ole Miss, and Syracuse. I put a graphic together this morning. I give the biggest game from each team that's remaining. Ohio State's biggest game remaining is the team up north. Who wins that game? Oh, Ohio State. And I think it's going to be fairly easily. Georgia's biggest game remaining is Tennessee. Who wins that game? I think Georgia just because they have the defense. Okay, so that eliminates Michigan and Tennessee. Clemson's biggest game is remaining is Syracuse. Who wins that game? That's going to come up this week, I think. I, I, I'm going to call a shocker, Eric. I think Syracuse pulls it off. Clemson has not impressed me this year. I said there's been way have, too many close games against teams that are just not that good. I said Clemson would have three losses this season. If it don't happen here, then it's not going to happen, obviously. So, uh, so that would mean you think right now, but Syracuse schedule is going to be tough. The remaining schedule is not easy. So, there's if they could beat Clemson, there's a very good chance that that knocks the ACC out uh, because Syracuse is probably going to lose. Tennessee's biggest uh, game remaining, uh, Kansas State. Tennessee, you mean TCU's? TCU, sorry, TCU. I like TCU. I like what I see out of TCU. Okay, I agree. UCLA, their their schedule is about to get real difficult here too as well. Yeah. Uh, their biggest game remaining, I said, was Oregon, but that's also this week. I think uh, game day is going to be in Eugene for this game, but they also have uh, USC at the end of the year as well. UCLA, can they do it? Can they run the table? No. Either Oregon or USC gets them. I'm not sure which, but one of them will get USC, UCLA. 7-0 Ole Miss. Their biggest game left is Alabama. Can they do it? Yes. Ooh. So you have Ohio State, Georgia, Syracuse, and Ole Miss as the four possible undefeated teams out of those nine. Yes. All right. I'm going with Ohio State. I'm going to go with Georgia. I'm going to go with Clemson. And I'm going to go with TCU as the four teams that I believe can go undefeated out of those nine. Did you also had TCU, didn't you? I did. So which one out of, so out of those five that you chose, which one do you, which four do you think have the best shot? Ohio state, Georgia, Syracuse, I, Ole Miss, or TCU? Which I truly believe this for the first time in a while, we're going to have a year where there is a week, one team from the sec. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to surprise you, Eric. I think it's Ole Miss. I hope. <laughs> I think I think it is Ole Miss. I think Lane Kiffin's got those guys playing really good ball down there. They are playing good ball, but we'll see what they got when they take on Bama. That'll be the big test. I think it's Ole Miss, Ohio State, TCU, 
And this is the thing. I could almost see Syracuse going undefeated and not getting in. I could mm. see possibly a one-loss Georgia. If the only game they lose is in the championship game, I could see that getting it over an unbeaten ACC champion. Jason Monk says, OSU only unbeaten in the playoffs, he says. And Ryan says he's got OSU, Georgia, Clemson, and Ole Miss as his four. So you got one guy there agreeing with you with Ole Miss there, uh, Chris. All right, guys, that's our show for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed this. If you're watching this for the first time and you've never listened to our audio of versions, we we do a pregame and a postgame of audio for uh, every game. We do uh, – Jason and I do shots from the shot for the basketball team. Chris and I do varsity videos, which is a – uh, podcasts about sports movies, and then I do cigar reviews. Uh, so we got a lot of content. Check us out. You can look us up on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever they are. Look up The Ohio Podcast. You'll find us there. Download us, listen to us, and all of our content. Thank you so much for checking in, guys. We hope you enjoyed this live version that Chris and I tried to deliver to you guys tonight. And uh, we're going to be doing this again. Uh, very shortly if not before the end of the season maybe from a tailgate maybe from a tailgate i don't know if we'll be in this format from a tailgate but we will definitely be doing a live show from a tailgate we're going to work that out ryan we appreciate the invite all right guys that's what we have right now as always be kind to one another i owe someone's oh and sing carmen ohio with all your heart and until next time chris oh i owe go bucks Oh, come, let's sing Ohio's praise and songs through armor rain while our hearts rebounding thrill. And joy which death alone can still. Summer's heat or winter's cold. The seasons pass, the years will Time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship, Ohio. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? 
Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.